0: welcome everybody to the latest edition of the legends of sports and music this is your host the original great rob silver and today we continue to look at the greatest era of soul music in my lifetime and that is the new jack swing era from a group that was helped fund founded by the creator of the new jack swing era and sound teddy riley and that is the group guy featuring the writing and production and sometimes singing of teddy riley the great songwriting and producing originally by timothy gatlin and then he left the group i'll talk more about that later on replaced by damian hall the dancer of the group, and then the lead singer extraordinaire, the man with the golden voice. In the New Jack Swing era, the only guy that was on Aaron Hall's level vocally was KC Haley from Jodeci. Aaron Hall had an incredible voice, And you could tell the Charlie Wilson influence in his voice by the way he sang. And then you had a couple of major stars copy his style, rip his style off. And we'll talk about that later on in the podcast. But Aaron Hall, in my opinion, the star of this group with the bald head, the dark sunglasses, the dark skin, tall, dark, handsome with the with the goatee the bald head, and the sunglasses. Uh, somebody ripped that style off. Uh, we'll talk about that later. But When Guy came onto the scene, they exploded at the right time. They came on in the summer of 1988. Their debut album was released on June 13th, 1988. Think about this, ladies and gentlemen. Three of the greatest albums of the new Jack Swing era were released within a week. Three, June 13th, Guy's debut album. June 20th, both Bobby Brown's Don't Be Cruel and New Edition's Heartbreak were released. Now, here's another thing. Teddy Riley wrote and produced one song on Bobby Brown's uh, Don't Be Cruel album, which was predominantly produced. And written by Babyface, Daryl Simmons, and LA Reed. Any Heartbreak, New Editions Heartbreak album, which I covered last week on the podcast. Well, that album was primarily produced by Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. And Guy's debut album was original was primarily produced by Teddy Riley with co-writing with he co-wrote most of the songs with timothy gatling and the legendary aaron hall look at that look at this sensational trio of albums talk about a holy trinity of new jack swing albums now you look at the history of new jack swing the first new jack swing album november of 1987 make it last forever Keep Sweat's immaculate Debut album Which was co-written With Teddy Riley and Keep Sweat And produced Entirely by Teddy Riley So Teddy Riley If you look at Teddy Riley From 1987 to 1991 and the success he had Producing Hit album After hit album 87 might make it last forever 88 Guy's debut album Guy 1990 uh, Guy's second album The Future And then 1991's Dangerous Which he did most of the writing and producing Alongside Michael Jackson For Michael Jackson Michael Jackson Dangerous Teddy Then Teddy Riley had some hits with Rex and Effect He had some hits with uh, Heavy D. And then we'll talk about it later on. The uh, guy broke up and Teddy Riley began a new group with Blackstreet. Now, people have asked me, will I be doing a Blackstreet tribute podcast? And the answer is a definitive no. I'm not passionate about Blackstreet. I love Teddy Riley, one of the greatest soul writers and producers of all time. Um, he made up, he, he created his own genre, In the U-Jack Swinger, my favorite era. But I didn't like Blackstreet. I liked the, some, some of their songs. Um, I liked them better when Dave Hollister was the lead singer for that one for their debut album. I loved the remix they did with SWV tonight tonight with Craig Mack. But that's it. And I, I didn't feel their second album after Dave Dave Hollister left. I know they had some hits. Don't leave me and all that shit, but I'm not a passionate fan of Blackstreet. In my opinion, they were middle of the road R&B group, right? Not on the level of a guy or a Jodeci or even a Boys to Men. And ladies and gentlemen, if, you, if you've been listening long enough, you know I have to be passionate about an artist or a group for me to do a podcast on. I know Drake and Jay-Z are legends. I will never do a podcast on those cats because I'm not passionate about them. I'm not passionate about Blackstreet. Blackstreet was Teddy Riley's uh, second attempt at trying to do a guy-like group, but he should have never broken up guy in the first place. That was a mistake. Guy should have went down as one of the all-time great groups. Ladies and gentlemen, from 1988 to 1995, you had great music by Guy and then Jodeci. Those two groups should have never taken sabbaticals. Should have never broken up for 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 a length of time. Guy would come back in 1999, 2000 with their third album, and it was too late. And the album was trash. And it was too late. You know, time had passed them by. Now the song I be, I began the podcast with i like in my opinion is one of the two greatest dance songs of the new jack swing era and i'm not talking i'm talking i like and i'm not talking my prerogative or anything by bobby brown even though it's in the conversation if you want to make an argument for my prerogative go ahead that's your decision i got my prerogative at number three i got i like and poisoned by BBD battling for one and two it depends on what side of the bed I wake up in case in, in to to make the case of which is number one today number one is going to be I like because yesterday when I visited my lady my new girlfriend Mia she uh I played I like for her and she's oh RS I haven't heard this song in a long time. And she started dancing and shaking that perfect fat ass of hers. Oh, my God. It was glorious. And she was going, I like it. Oh, baby. I like it. I like it. like it. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. And she was like, come on, let dance with me. And I was like, you know, I can't dance. I'm going to sit this one out. I sat down. And so what did Mia do? She walked over to me, and she started giving me a semi-lap dance. What I mean by semi-lap dance is she was shaking her ass without putting it, without sitting it on my lap. And she's like, you like it? Oh, baby. Oh, baby. Like, turns to love. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, it Oh, it was glorious. It was glorious. And um yeah, I had to smack smack that ass a few times while she was up there. She was like, Keep smacking it, R S, keep smacking it. It was beautiful. Great song, great song. And um, man, I should have played Poison because uh I teased her the other day, talking about, you know, you got a big button to smile, can I trust you? And she started laughing. It's like R S, you can always trust me. <laughs> but uh I like, in my opinion, is on the holy trinity of New Jack Swing dance songs alongside Poison and my prerogative. And you can add Don't Be Cruel. If you want to talk about the Mount Rushmore of New Jack Swing dance songs, man, those are my three. What would be my fourth? Don't Be Cruel would be in the discussion. I'm trying to think. What what other new Jack Swing song could I put up there with those three? Hmm. Something from Mary? Oh, something from SWV? We'd have to discuss. But I know my holy trinity is I like Poison and, of course, my prerogative. And two of the three songs written and produced. By the legendary Teddy Riley. All right, the next voice note will be played. Well, actually, the first voice note of the program will be uh, my buddy from the DMV, uh, originally from New Jersey, Tasha. And then after she speaks, we will be playing Groove Me, Baby, Tonight. And then we'll talk about it on the other side.
1: Hey Rob, this is Tasha, aka Sleeper Has Awakened. Again, thank you very much for asking me to participate in another one of your voice drops. Um, so, I, when you told me it was Guy, I had to think about it. I'm glad you let me take a couple, you know, while to think about what I wanted to say. Um, it's crazy that you know Guy came out the year the like I moved down from New Jersey to Maryland in 87 and then I remember like in 88, 89 is when they came on the scene that I mean Teddy Riley was everywhere you know with that whole new Jack Swing sound coming in and I remember my second time going to a concert in D.C. and I went and saw Rexit Effects and Redhead Kingpin and they were all on the roster um, under Teddy Riley and you know, and just that they were everywhere and you couldn't get away from their sounds. So it's like, you know, you, you remember them and, you know, you can always remember, you know, the call si- calls sounds and then, you know, later on Aaron Hall leaving and going on his solo career. I mean you just don't hear that type of music anymore and it's kind of fun you know you wish you know i just can't believe it's been 30 years you know and i'm tired of being felt to be old <laughs> or you know, finding out my age cuz i sure as hell don't think it was that long ago but again you know thank you for letting me you know participate so can't wait to hear and i you know i'm gonna catch up cuz i am a couple of uh voice you know god Couple of pods behind, so you guys have a good one, and again, thank you for letting me participate.
0: Happened so long ago, yet it doesn't feel like it happened that long because the song, the, the songs, and the music was so damn great. And Guy is a perfect example of this. This, um, these albums came out in 1988, 1990. Their first two albums, way ahead of their time and timeless. Time, if the if those albums came out today, if a group like Guy came out today, they would dominate music. They dominated back in 88 and 90 despite the fact that they had contemporaries like Keith Sweat, like Bobby Brown, like New Edition, like BBD, like Babyface, like Janet Jackson, like Michael Jackson that they had to compete with. Today, if they came out, who are they competing with? Silk Sonic? Get the fuck out of here. (laughs) Chris Brown? No. No. They would dominate if they came out today with that swagger. With the incredible vocals of Aaron Hall that you heard on Groove Me, Baby, tonight. And you hear the same sample in this song as a song that came out that same year. Now groove me came out summer to fall of 1988. well summer of 89 another massive song came out with the same sample james brown's funky president fight the power and you hear and you're like doo, doo, doo. and you're like wow james brown the most sampled artist in the history of hip-hop and Hip-hop exploded from the mid to late 80s. Public Enemy, Eric B and Rakim, Heavy D, all had usage, heavy usage of James Brown songs, James Brown music. No different in the New Jack Swing era, where New Jack Swing was a combination of soul music, hip-hop, and funk music. All created by Teddy Riley. You heard that on Make It Last Forever. Well, Groove Me and I Like and the rest of the Guy original CD, the, their first album, their debut album, Guy, you hear even more emphasis of hip-hop samples. And you're going to hear it throughout this program. And I'll, when I catch it, I'll tell you about it. And you hear the doo-doo-doo. Do-do-do. Groove me. Baby. Tonight. And Aaron Hall with that fucking voice. Make love tonight. Tell me. Just groove me. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I... I spoke of it earlier. You know, I teased it. But... You had two artists that came out after Guy that totally copied Aaron Hall's style. The first was a guy from Chicago who's spending the rest of his life in prison for fucking babies, all right, for fucking little girls from the ages of 12 to 17, even married one, a legendary singer, at the age of when she was 14. And that is the pedophile Robert Sylvester Kelly. When I first heard R. Kelly and Public Announcement in the summer of 92, the song was called Honey Love. I thought Guy was coming out with a third album. I was like, oh, shit. I'm in the car with my father. My father's driving. I'm like, give me some of that Honey Love. I'm like, oh, shit. Aaron and the boys are back. And then I hear on the radio, "Um, that was the debut single from R. Kelly and Public Announcement. I'm like, who the fuck? So, I ordered from BMG Music Service, their CD. Not their CD. I didn't play CDs back then. In 1992, 1990, 1991, I was still playing audio cassettes. I didn't start buying CDs until 1993. Okay, I believe Jade to the Max. Jade was the first CD I bought. And then uh, Mariah Carey's Daydream album. And... Tevin Campbell's Can We Talk were the first three CDs I bought. But up until 1993, I was buying audio cassettes. And I ordered through BMG and the cassette came in. I played R. Kelly in Public Announcement. And there's a song on there called Slow Jam where he's basically mimicking and copying Aaron Hall throughout the whole song. Now, I will give the devil his due. R. Kelly, all-time great, legendary writer and, pro- and producer and singer. And is he more talented than Aaron Hall? Well, he's a greater writer, and he's a greater producer. No doubt about it. He writes and produces rings around Aaron Hall, but Aaron Hall is the better singer. But R. Kelly jacked his style, and because he was... How do you say it? More proficient in songwriting And came out with Not only his own hits But music for other group, uh, other artists Like Aaliyah, Changing Faces, etc R. Kelly exploded At the same time Aaron Hall's career Disappeared Sad Because Aaron Hall was the, Aaron Hall was R. Kelly before R. Kelly Aaron Hall was Joe Before Joe, they outlasted Aaron Hall Aaron Hall vocally is more talented than Joe and R. Kelly But uh, due to the breakup with Guy And due to uh, uh, bad collaborations on his solo projects He had that one massive song that I will play at the end of the podcast I miss you in 1994, in which he had the summer of 94 in New York on lock with that ballad, and then he disappeared. He fucking disappeared. He, he was on, he was a, 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 he featured on a few songs here and there, but he never had that same impact as a singer after 94. Wow. R. Kelly exploded, because the summer of 94, R. Kelly was also all over the charts with uh, with uh, what was, what was those two songs um, Uh oh Uh oh shh. Yeah I forgot You know what it's a good thing I, I, I forgot about the Pedophiles Massive hits from his 1993 12 play album That exploded on the charts in 94 12 play Blew away Aaron Hall's debut album But in my opinion Nothing from Uh, 12 play was better Than I Miss You We will end the podcast with I Miss You Groove Me is an Infectious dad song About a dude Telling a woman won't you Groove me Telling I want to make love to you Let's get down Tonight tonight." It's a sexual song And Aaron Hall Mr. Nasty Man bodies this song with his vocals. And Teddy Riley with the Casio. And of course, the James Brown Funky President sample. Iconic sample used on many songs. Probably the two biggest were Groove Me and Fight the Power a year later. Public Enemy's biggest hit of their illustrious, iconic career. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, the next voice note will be from my Chicago sister, Shay Jones. She's going to talk about her love of Guy, and then we're going to play one of the great ballads that Guy ever did, Goodbye Love. We'll talk about it on the other side.
2: Hey, Rob. Hey, Legends family. This is Shay checking in from Chicago again. Um, with another uh, flashback, throwback, reminiscent our early '90s group. Thank you, Rob, for again focusing on one of the most important times, one of the most legendary times in um, Black R&B and soul with the group guy. Um, again, I was, you know, maybe five or six when they were on the scene in the early '90s, but. You know, I, I still remember where I was living, listening to the radio, hearing these songs, um, seeing these videos like on the box and places like that. Um, and it just brings back so many memories, so many good feelings, so many emotions. Even, you know, a lot of times I tell you, I don't even know what I was singing about or hearing or listening to back in those times. But the music just had such an emotional pull And when I listen to these songs now, it just takes me back, flashes me back to uh, listening to, you know, the big stereo and uh, watching my parents listen to the music and how it made them feel. And um, just seeing the reaction from the older adults in my life and how much they loved and cherished uh, the music and especially guy, um, you know, Teddy Riley. Um Aaron Hall, Timmy, and later later uh Damien, oh my god, just they were like the first drew Hill almost to me, um of course, um, you know, Teddy had the vocals, um, and Aaron, he was the star to me of uh, that ball head had in those glasses, and just the way he would move and his voice um was just so special to me and i had a crush on him when i was younger but um out of all the songs that i remember from them the one that stuck out to me most was goodbye um and you know you listen to the hook when you're younger and it just sounds so sweet you know, you said you never leave me. <laughs> I said I never. It just sounds like a love song, but once you you know get older and get to digging deeper into the lyrics you realize how torn he was and you know how dysfunctional that relationship was is um, you know, something we've all experienced growing up now where you in this turmoil, you going back and forth and you eventually just have to say goodbye. It's not working for either of you. It's toxic. It's no good. But in that time, you're like, can we just, you know, one more time? Can we get that old feeling back one more time? But we know eventually we have to go. And it's sad. It's passionate. It's all those emotions built up into one. So that's why I love that song so much. And I still sing it to this day with that same, you know, heartbreak that Aaron sung that ballad in. so... I'm looking forward to hearing that and um, you know everything else that you have to say about this legendary super group and um, they all went on to have you know illustrious careers and um, even to this day they are still mentioned but they deserve their flowers and I thank you Rob for providing them so I can't wait to hear what the other uh, family has to say about Guy but In the meantime, um, peace to you all, take care, and um, just continue to be blessed, Rob. Love you here in Chicago. Peace.
3: Even though baby hate baby leave, baby I baby as I walked out the baby no
0: That might be the best voice note Shay ever sent me That was tremendous Her talking about her Crush as a little girl on Aaron Hall Shay you weren't the only one Um, I was 20 years old when Guy came out With this album Guy And the first time They were shown on TV Whether it was uh, BET Soul or the videos on BET. Or like you said, the box. I was going to school in New Orleans. And the women down in New Orleans were losing their fucking mind over Aaron Hall. They were losing their minds over Aaron Hall. More than they were losing their minds for Bobby Brown. Aaron Hall was tall, dark, handsome with the bald head and sunglasses. The women lost their fucking mind. And so you weren't, you were a little girl. But imagine these were teenagers to women in their early twenties I was going to school with that they were practically they were practically wedding themselves when they were watching Aaron Hall on television and God forbid when they saw a guy in concert. Um and you're from Chicago so you would you would uh you would know because around that same time there was a young man up and coming singer a year older than me, trying to make it in the music business, and he's watching Guy, and he's like, I think I'm a bump and grind my way into being him <laughs> and stole his style. <laughs> you mentioned goodbye love, and then we played Goodbye Love. Goodbye love, an incredible heartache ballad. And it really hits home for me today, the lyrics and the song, because as you know, Shay, because personally, you and I talk off or, or, or off the air and and um, outside of social media, and you know the situation between my ex, Vonet, and I, and how we broke up, and "Goodbye Love" almost mirrors exactly what happened with us. And and when I look at some of the some of the lyrics of this song, I'm like, wow, it's hitting home, like. Um, When he said You promised to stay with me I promised to stay with you, you know, Up until a, a month before her and I broke up There was no There was no I uh, did Neither of us had an idea that this was going to happen It just Escalated to the point where it had to happen But as Aaron says Fairy trail But fairy tales don't always Come true I guess you knew and blew a good thing, baby, because I'm saying bye-bye. And, you know, I had to say bye-bye, but later on in the song, he talks about, and I asked myself over and over again, did, living, did leaving you make me a fool? This is two people in a long-term relationship, like Vonette and I, finally cutting the cord, finally breaking up after several attempts of trying to keep it together and when it's over both of us are thinking did we blow a good thing baby but in the end and he goes i'd rather end this self-misery than to go on living without you and way goes uh let me see I guess you knew, I guess you knew we blew a good thing. Yeah, yeah, because I'm saying bye-bye. I don't want to really, I don't really want to leave you. I'm so confused. But then that, don't leave me, baby, till we make love just one more time, that's one thing that did not happen. Once we broke, once we cut the cord, we didn't speak to each other for several weeks. The only reason that we spoke again was My mother was hospitalized, and I had to tell her. I had to tell her because, you know, she cares for my mother, and she's known my mother all these years. So I had to tell her, and I give her credit. When my mother was on life support, we were texting back and forth, and she told me to keep praying because God might have a a different um, solution. And it's not over yet as long as she's got one breath left, and she survived and she's staying with my sister right now, and uh, being a, 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 a her normal pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but goodbye, love. And you, uh, you, you were saying, Shay, that when you were a little girl, you thought it was a love song. Then years later, when you hear the lyrics, and you noticed that it was not a ballad of two people in love, but of a a, a heartbreak ballad, and. It was the perfect sample for nas on life is good my favorite song in my opinion Nas's greatest ballad by baby which chronicles the end of the marriage between him and what's her name uh it starts with a k his ex-wife what's her name god lord early signs of dementia i'm not gonna look it up anyway uh the former Mrs. K Jones. <laughs> the former Mrs. K Jones. I forgot that woman's uh, first name, the name she goes by as an artist. Even though the last time she had a hit record, I'm 54. I had I had hit 40 yet. <laughs> Kalice, that's her name. Kalice. Uh, By baby. Using the "Goodbye Love" sample because the song starts off with you hearing Aaron Hall's "Goodbye Love" at the beginning, his vocals, and then Nas tells a great story about the breakup between him and Khalees, and you hear "Bye Bye Baby," "Goodbye." <laughs> and the name of the song is "Bye Baby," with the "Goodbye Love" a sample played prominently throughout the song it was the perfect sample for that song and the original song was a was a microcosm of the breakup between nas and khalees so it was it was it was a a great ear by nas to pick that sample and to rap over it because he could relate to that song goodbye love is the breakup of a long-term relationship whether it's a marriage that's ending in divorce or like and i well a marriage that ended divorce like nas and kalis or a long-time relationship between a couple vanette and i that finally decide to cut the cord and there are are there regrets are there uh uh Uh, A second thought as to Are we doing this right Well At the end of the day You had to move on We had to move on Just like Nas and Khalees had to move on Vonette and I had to move on And I've moved on I have moved on With a new lady And I gotta Ladies and gentlemen I didn't think that I could do this once I broke up with Vonnid back in August, I figured I was gonna be single for a while, a very long while. Because you've been in a relationship for almost eight year, uh, for almost eight years total with a woman. You, you might yeah, d- decide to need a break, but sometimes God has different plans for you, and the heart likes what it likes. And when I first saw Mia, I lost my fucking mind. And I, you know, I <laughs> and one thing led to another. We had a major obstacle, what I which I talked about on a prior podcast. I'm not gonna repeat it now because we're at it we're in a good spot. But we, we uh overcame a major obstacle. We're a couple now and we're we're learning about each other. We we the time we spend is so much fun. I mean I'm having a ball right now. I, I'm giddy. I'm 54, acting like I'm 24. <laughs> uh, she's 37, acting like she's 17. So we are, uh, we having a ball. But the 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 best part about it is, learning about somebody and then learning about yourself through that person and trying not to make the same mistakes you made in the past and her me and i have both been open about the mistakes we made with our prior relationships the the hurt we went through in our prior relationships and we put that right out there we talk about it all the time we have some deep deep conversations man but i'm loving it i'm loving it and um She's forcing me to look inside of myself. Take take a look in the mirror. And you guys know, you've heard me say many a times, uh, direct insults, direct things over my lifetime to women I love that cut them. Well, I'm making a vow not to do the same thing with Mia because I have, with with all the women I've ever loved, Vonette, Tracy Antoinette I said some despicable shit that sent daggers into their heart Mia from where, where, where she's had to overcome with domestic abuse and so forth I have to be very careful on if her and I get into an argument and fingers crossed so far we haven't gotten to an argument but That time is coming. There's no such thing as a perfect relationship, but I've got to make sure that I don't say anything inappropriate that's going to hurt her, hurt her as bad as her ex-husband did. So um, I have to be wary of that. And I'm, I'm working on it, ladies and gentlemen. And so far I'm, I've done my diligent best and I hope Fingers crossed and praise to God that I continue To be conscious of my words because As we all know many a times A statement hurts more Than a slap in the face or a punch in the face They always say the pen is mightier than the sword. So I got to be careful because I don't want this to be a goodbye love. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So
4: 1987 and 88, pivotal years in R&B music. Key Sweat was still, you know, producing hits off uh, Make It Last Forever. Uh, you had Bobby Brown with his second solo album Don't Be Cruel New Edition Any Heartbreak which we've talked about I'll Be Sure Steps on the Scene Uh, Michael Jackson in 87 George Michaels released projects Uh, I think Father Figure was released in 88 which was a massive underrated song in my opinion but guy comes out in 88 and guy stands toe-to-toe with all of them uh it's teddy riley the new jack sound the new jack swing sound uh and and, and he's backing it up with aaron hall's vocals which are you know just we've heard it we heard it before with charlie wilson but it's a new you know, it's, it's it's playing behind something new. It's a hip-hop beat now. Uh, but Aaron could still deliver a ballad just like Charlie could with the Gap Band as well. Uh, Teddy Riley is just a maestro. I mean, here you go. He's working with three of the biggest groups of 88. Keith Sweat, Bobby Brown, and then Guy. Uh just a, a fantastic album uh, you know just a lot of variety in it I, I remember <laughs> I was 14 year old me in 88 We me trying to listen to the radio and, and try to figure out try to figure out if uh, Aaron Hall is saying uh, you can have a piece of my love dumb bitch never figured it out I don't even know if I've ever heard him ever speak on anybody ask about it, but yeah, Groove Me, Teddy's Jam, You Can Call Me Crazy, which I don't even think that uh, uh, Damien Hall was singing on that one. I I don't remember who the the original third member was, but I think by the time this album was released, he wasn't with the group anymore, because I don't think that was Aaron Hall's brother. Rob can answer that but a great album then you had a guy coming in uh, New Jack City came out What a couple years later guys featured on there Uh, I remember my fantasy video (laughs) at that time you couldn't have told me that guy wouldn't have been the biggest R&B group period especially with Teddy Riley but you know groups break up But they had a nice little run, a nice little run.
0: Chattanooga brother Michael Angel Hit the nail on the head When he talked about Guy Being a modern day Gap band in 1988 1990 and Aaron Hall Being a new day Charlie Wilson You hear the Charlie Wilson influence in Aaron Hall the way he sings The passion he sings Peace of my love Even though the song is about a guy telling a woman, hey, you want to get with me? Sure, but you can't be with me. You got to share me because I'm already with somebody else. You can't have all of me. You can have a piece of my love. And I'm not going to uh, criticize that song because from the years 1998 to 2003, 2004, I'm trying to You know, early signs of dementia. I'm trying to figure out that period in time in which I was dating four different women at the same time. And Aaron Hall in nineteen eighty eight to nineteen ninety four, at the height of his popularity with the with Guy, and then later on with the massive hit I miss you, was dating several women. At the same time, he was a known Harlem playboy. Last week, I talked about one of the great Harlem playboys of all time, players of all time and Keith Sweat. Aaron Hall is on that level when it comes to cats originally from Harlem who had female after female after female another difference between aaron hall and r kelly now no doubt r kelly made millions more had more hits wrote greater music greater producer but r kelly the majority of his women were underage while aaron hall the ma- uh all of his women were age appropriate you never saw aaron hall walking around with a 13 year old girl holding hands <laughs> Aaron Hall was definitely Charlie Wilson-esque, and you'll hear a song later on, in which he does a Charlie Wilson Gap Band cover, and he sounds like the spitting image of Charlie Wilson. Piece of My Love definitely sounds like it could have been a Gap Band song from the late 70s to early 80s. in Aaron Hall, with that, Golden baritone voice. Stay with me for a little while. <laughs> no questions asked. Come and get it. Come and get it. Oh, Aaron was, he was the motherfucking man. And it pisses me off to this day that A, guy broke up and B, Aaron Hall's solo career. Died after the massive I Miss You hit. I don't understand it, ladies and gentlemen. Aaron Hall was that dude. In the new Jack Swing era, the only guy on his level, in my opinion, vocally was Casey Haley, not R. Kelly, not Joe, not Christopher Williams. When it came to male vocalists, definitely nobody from boys to men. Not Bobby Brown. All right, Johnny Gill, Johnny Gill, Casey Haley, and Aaron Hall were the top of the food chain when it came to vocal prowess. And then you want to put Gerald Levert there? There goes your, there goes your, uh, my or yours, if you guys want to agree. But the this is my mount rushmore of new jack swing vocal talents the great vocalists of the new jack swing era in no particular order aaron hall johnny gill casey haley and gerald Levert. All right if you would have had a group of those four guys in the same group forget it forget it those voices oh my god There wouldn't. There, it would be a concert with nothing but women They tour And all over the country would be ladies only Only women could come in And women would be disrobing themselves After every song When the concert was over You'd have 15 to 20,000 naked women Throughout the entire arena If you had a quartet Like that like my Mount Rushmore of Gerald LaVert, Johnny Gill. And we'll be speaking about Gerald LaVert and Johnny Gill and LSG in a couple of weeks. So, And I'll talk about the one time I saw them live in concert and the women lost their fucking mind. Well, imagine a concert tour across the United States with Gerald LaVert, Johnny Gill, Aaron Hall, and Casey Haley. Those voices would have these women losing their mind, like the chick in the red tight pants was doing in the Five Heartbeats. <laughs> when uh, Eddie Kane went up to her and started singing with that deep voice, yeah, Aaron Hall was Eddie Kane, David Ruffin, Charlie Wilson, Bobby Womack type powerful vocalists, and it's a damn shame that he didn't become a bigger star than what he was. He should have been... Aaron Hall vocally should have been on that level of those guys that I just mentioned. At least a Bobby Womack or Teddy Pendergrass level type star. Never got there. And he got off to such a great start with the first two guy albums and his first solo album. And then, boom! I guess the world only only could recognize one black dude with a bald head, sunglasses, um, singing provocative sex songs. Unfortunately, that guy was singing about 12 to 14-year-old girls. All right. Let's see what's next on the agenda. Oh, I got a story about this song. The next song is You Can Call Me Crazy, and then I will talk about a song I'm not, I'll talk about this song and how it pertained to my personal life at that time back in 1989. Call me crazy. Before I go into a personal note concerning this song, this was a song in which the lead singer was Timothy Gatling. Timothy Gatling was the main reason Aaron Hall joined the group guy. Timothy Gatling used to work with Aaron in a department store. In a department store in New York City. When Timothy and Teddy Riley were part of a group in the mid-80s. I believe the name of the group was called Kids at Work. When that group broke up, they were looking for another singer to expand their group to make it sound more adult-oriented than the vocals of... Because Teddy and Tim both have low tenor voices. They were looking for a powerful vocalist. And and Tim was like, well, I work with this guy who sings in a gospel choir named Aaron. Let's get with him and see what we could do. And once Teddy saw the vocal prowess of Aaron Hall, he was like, that's it. And the guy was formed. Timothy Gatling was the perfect complement with his soft, tenor, almost falsetto-like voice to Aaron Hall's powerful va- baritone. They could have been one of the great one-two punches in soul music history, a la KC and JoJo, a la Eddie and Walt, a la uh, Dennis Edwards and Eddie Kendricks, and before that, David Ruffin and Eddie Kendricks, a la Maurice White and Philip Bailey. Timothy Gatlin. Did not like the contract that Guy's manager, Gene Griffin, had sent him before the Guy debut album, self-titled Guy, was released. And he told Gene Griffin to take that contract and shove it up his gangster ass. And Timothy Gatling walked out. But because the album had already been recorded and gatling was under contract as one of the songwriters and singers on the album they kept him on the mca records uptown records andre harrell kept him on the cover of the album despite gene griffin not wanting him on the album andre was like look he put the work in and contractually we are obligated to pay this man so He's going to get his credit We're not redoing the songs Because he wrote the songs He sang on the songs So they kept him on the cover But before Guy could do promotional work on the album Tim Gatling had left And he was replaced by Aaron Hall's brother Damien Hall Damien Hall brought great choreography to the group um, You'll see On Soul Train and other And I believe the Arsenio Hall show Where they're dressed like MC Hammer And they dance like MC Hammer And Damien had Teddy and Aaron dancing their Asses off with the latest Moves from 1988 through 1990 1991 But Timothy Gatling Left Because of the Illegal criminal activity That Gene Griffith was involved with In terms of publishing Timothy And Teddy and Aaron Wrote all the songs On their first Debut album Gene Griffith Put his name As a co-songwriter To Siphon publishing From all three And matter of fact he got the bulk of the publishing There's a TV1 Uncensored documentary Interview document Slash documentary they did On Teddy Riley last year And Teddy Riley mentioned that He made no money With Guy Aaron Hall has stated He made no money with Guy Timothy Gatling left Guy Because he was getting robbed And didn't want to continue to get robbed After the second album They disbanded They fired Gene Griffin During the recording of the second album And then after the 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 second album Ran its course Aaron Teddy and Damien went their separate ways And Unfortunately Stunted the momentum Of what should have been an all time great group But We should have never had Damien As part of Guy Them having Gene Griffin as their manager handcuffed them because they weren't making any money. Gene was robbing them. Gene Griffin was the modern-day Big Red. My office hours are between 9 and 5 p.m. Between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. Gene Griffin was a motherfucking thief. Worse than a Suge Knight ever was because Suge Knight never put his name as a songwriter for publishing rights on on any of his artist music. Gene Griffith wrote the playbook that uh, that that bitch motherfucker, that bitch-ass Puff Daddy goes to. The same playbook that he cheats out of, Gene Griffith wrote. Ladies and gentlemen, let will make a comparison. Puff Daddy is a bootleg Teddy Riley. What you people think? The casual music fan thinks that Puff Daddy's this musical genius? No, he's fucking not. He's got a great eye for talent. The man can't produce and write. No. He ain't a pimple on Teddy Riley's ass. Musically, he's a bootleg Teddy Riley. Sean Puff Daddy Combs is a bootleg teddy riley fuck sean combs fuck gene griffin all throughout here's another example of gene griffin stealing from his artists my prerogative for years gene griffin was the, the sole songwriter on a song that teddy riley wrote it wasn't until a few years ago that teddy riley finally got his publishing off that song, and his songwriting credit off that song. Teddy Riley said in his uncensored uh, interview slash documentary on TV One a year to two, uh, uh, 12 to 18 months ago, that he didn't start seeing money as a writer-producer until he wrote for Michael Jackson in 1990. It's a fucking shame. This is a guy who... Co-wrote Seven of the eight songs On Make It Last Forever But him and Keith Sweat were dealing with a criminal And Vincent Davis Who was robbing Keith and Teddy And Keith had to leave Vincent Davis to go With other management Of course Gene Griffin robbed him Everywhere But Gene Griffin was no longer in the picture When Teddy Riley went to Michael Jackson to write and produce For Michael Jackson Timothy uh, Gatlin Bodied this song uh, You Can Call Me Crazy And what's even What makes the song even better Even greater Is the inclusion of One of the hardest One of the hottest soul acts at that point in time In I'll Be Sure You Can Call Me Crazy Is Timothy Gatlin singing Lead and instead of Arid and Teddy in the background singing the background vocals, the background vocals are dominated by Albie Shore. And this song, you could call me crazy, sounds almost like a duplicate of Albie Shore's massive hit, "Get Off on Your Own Girl." Listen to oh, you can call me crazy. Oh. I'll be sure kills the background vocals Just like he did In Heavy D's Don't You Know And he also did background vocals For a great Slick Rick song Off of the Adventures of Slick Rick That I forgot because I'm Battling dementia right now <laughs> And this was also around the time When I'll be sure Would appear on Secret Garden So I'll be sure was red hot In the late 80s to early 90s and Perfect placement on this Song because this sounded like An I'll be sure song I'll be sure could have Easily sang lead on the Song and if I'm not mistaken this originally Was supposed to be for I'll be sure On that same album with get off on your own girl but for some reason It didn't make the no I believe Gene Griffith told I'll be sure no you Can't have that song I'm giving it to my Guys And so when it was brought uh, To guy Teddy kept Albie Shore's background vocals on there and replaced the lead vocals with Timothy Gatling. That's that's what happened. Timothy and Aaron should have been a great one-two punch, and unfortunately that didn't happen, and the second lead vocalist would wind up being Teddy Riley. While Teddy could carry a tune, he was no Timothy Gatling. And now on to my personal story concerning this song. July of 1989, was it July or August? So long ago, man, 33 years ago, I met my son's mother. I met my beloved son, Peter's mother, Missy. July of 1989, I was outside my building, 169 Cypress Avenue, Millbrook Projects back in the day, right on the corner of 135th Street, Cypress Avenue, and the Bruckner Boulevard south bronx my haven section the deep south south bronx and my brother charlie and i i was 21 at the time my brother was a month shy of his 17th birthday we were cleaning my father's car and my brother used to always drive my my father's car i and so we're washing the car and Walking towards our building, I see this light brown skin, batty, hottie—I mean, voluptuous woman. All right, and she had it all. She was about four foot ten. Yeah, Missy was four foot ten. Sometimes she, sometimes she claimed five, four eleven, but no, she was four foot ten. Today. After all the drug abuse she, she might be down to 4 foot 5 But back then She was 20 years old 4 foot 10 With voluptuous breasts a, a fat Perfect ass Thick calves And like I said A light light brown skin With beautiful brown eyes She was just a stunner And I'm like what the fuck and, you know, I'm staring at her as I'm washing the car. She walks past me. And she's like, this your car? I said, uh, 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 n- I'm, I'm stammering. I'm like, nah, 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 I don't drive. And she's like, you don't drive? I said, nah, I don't, I don't drive, sweetheart. I don't drive. Then whose car is that? I said, this is my father's car. Oh, You think he would let me drive that car? I said, nah, nah, the only person other than my father that can drive this car is my brother Charlie there. She looked at Charlie and she was like, you gonna let me drive the car? And disclaimer, Charlie has never been and never will be attracted to black women. And um, Missy was a light brown skinned Haitian girl, or Haitian young woman at the time. So my brother is like, nope, not letting you drive my father's car. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so she sucks her teeth in the West Indian way of suck a teeth. And the women out there and the men out there that are listening that are West Indian know that <laughs> type sucking of the teeth that y'all do out of, you know, frustration. And she walks into my building and I'm like. Charlie, you ever seen her before? Charlie's like, nope. All right, so we keep watching the car. We're finishing up ten minutes later. She comes out the building with this bitch ass drug dealer, same age as me. He's lived in my building. I've known him since I was since I first moved into the building back in 1981 when I was A month shy of my 13th birthday, this dude was a piece of fucking shit. Lefty. Lefty comes out with Missy, and Missy was like, I want to introduce you to these guys I just met. And Lefty was like, oh, I know Rob. And I know Charlie. And, you know, I just ignore him. We keep watching the car. And, and Missy was like, oh, you know, your name is Rob? I said, yeah, uh-huh. Okay, bye, Rob. And they get into Lefty's car. And Lefty has an expensive-ass uh Cadillac, right? And they drive off. Right then and there, I was like, all right. So if that's Lefty's girl, I'm going to take his girl. Because I never liked this fucking crack dealing son of a bitch. Fuck this dude. I'm going to fuck his woman. Fuck him. Right? I was going to dirty Mac this motherfucker. Right? So, every time I saw Missy, I would flirt with her. Flirt with her. And the song You Can Call Me Crazy comes into, because one time she came out the building and She's like, I don't know why you try to keep talk, talk, talking to me You know I got a boyfriend And you know what he does And I was like, you can call me crazy She started laughing She's like, Rob, you a nut You a nut And little by little, I was breaking the ice By September This was July when I first met her By September, late September, early October I convinced her to go to the movies with me Because one weekend Lefty was out of town I don't know where the fuck he was But he was out of town We went to the movies I had her laughing We was eating popcorn After the movie was over And the movie theater we went to The Whitestone Cinemas Those who remember It used to be a drive-in Back in the late 70s to early 80s It was a multiplex by that time Alright um, Took her to see See a Love the classic Al Pacino movie And after the movie was over We were tongue kissing And holding hands And we had a great time She didn't live in my building She lived a few blocks away in uh, On Beekman by St. Mary's Park In the South Bronx Which was about 5-6 blocks away from Where I lived And Took her back to a took took her walked her back to a building, and shockingly, she let me tongue kiss her in front of her building, and I was like, "You you doing?" After it was over, I was like, "That was nice, but uh, people gonna talk." She said, "Don't worry about it." A week later, she comes to me. I didn't see her for a whole week. I was playing games. She would call my apartment. I tell my mother, I tell my sisters, I tell my brother, I'm not home. Tell I'm not home. And I didn't have a pager at the time. So, and there was no such thing as cell phones back then. This was October of 1989. No such thing. So, uh, one day, she's waiting in, in my lobby, in my building lobby, as I come down. And I'm like, She's like, Rob, I'm like well, um, I, I haven't seen Lefty, Missy I don't know why you called Rob, we haven't spoken since we went to the movies I said, yeah, look I don't want to cause any problems Between you and Lefty, alright I'm not going to deal with you Until I know That you and Lefty are not together I know you still were Lefty Or oh, Rob, I just broke up with him And she grabbed me, she hugged me real tight And we went back to her apartment, her parents weren't home, and we fucked like rabbits. Couple of days later, my mother meets her, and my mother makes the infamous remark that, oh, Robert, she looks like a fucking Jezebel to me. I don't know why, oh, I know why you're with her. She's your type. She's short with a fat ass, pretty face. That girl is trouble. But you're going to do what you're going to do. I'm not going to try and convince you to leave her alone. But if you ask me, she's nothing but trouble. My mother knows what she knows. (laughs) Prophetic words on my mother's part. From that point on, every time Lefty saw me, he had rage in his eyes. But he wasn't going to do shit because he was a punk-ass bitch motherfucker. Four years later, What was it five years? When was it? No, five years later, almost to the day, five years later, I caught Missy hiding a crack vial from me. And when I found out that she was smoking crack, I immediately took my son, Peter, because at that point in time, Peter was two. Peter was born in 92. This would be 1994, November of 94. Took Peter and my stuff and moved in. Moved back in with my parents What happened was She started seeing Lefty again And Lefty Got her hooked up on crack This time as a way to keep her As a way to get her Away from me as his revenge For her leaving me Leaving her for me and leaving him For me in the first place That was his revenge and um, She allowed him To destroy her life and at this point in time, she has cancer. Uh, she's 53 years old, and she's not even a hundred pounds soaking wet. Sad story. It was a beautiful beginning. It was a sad ending, but I don't get mad. I, I've, I've never gotten mad at her for getting with him because I cheated on her. and And I thought that This was her way of getting back at me What pissed me the fuck off Was she allowed herself To start smoking crack And The repercussions of that The way it affected my my son He didn't have his mother in his life And then later on when he reconnected With his mother He started engaging in bad habits With his mother And I'm going to end this story Right now before I get upset Alright, uh Spend the Night is the next song, and then I'll talk about it on the other side.
3: Yeah. Teddy. Hey. This is Donna. Donna, me Teddy. Yo, Tim. Yeah. This girl wanna meet your name, Ronnie. Ronnie, meet my man Tim. And I'm Aaron, baby.
2: Light. please don't be too late yep, yep. Girl, I'm ready to do just what we say All the telephone, excuses about you had to work Don't give me that, baby, you do it
0: Once again, you hear a similar beat from a song Teddy Riley did. Spend a Night had the same type of opening as My Prerogative. And you hear the same type of beat in Doomy Baby by BBD. Back then, the new Jack Swing, its incorporation of hip hop samples alongside funk and soul music. You would hear similar beats on several songs. We talked earlier about You Can Call Me Crazy and how similarly that song sounded like Albie Shaw's Get Off on Your Own Girl. And it was not by accident that Albie Shaw sang backgrounds on You Can Call Me Crazy. And it's no accident that. Spend the Night sounds like my prerogative being that Teddy Riley wrote and produced both songs. Um, do Me Baby, I guess the producers of that song were just ripping him off. But that's a great song by uh, by uh, Bell Biv DeVoe. And eventually we will do a BBD Bell Biv DeVoe tribute pod sometime in the future. Not Not right away. I mean, if you look at my lineup coming up next week, It's Stephanie Mills tribute pod. The week after, we've got Lavert Sweatin' Gill tribute pod. We've got another Mariah Carey tribute pod. We got another Michael Jackson tribute pod. We got a Christmas, special Christmas pod where I play 11, 12 of the greatest soul Christmas songs of all time. And we will be finishing the year with a Donnie Hathaway part two. So, uh, oh Teddy Pendergrass, one or the other maybe both I don't know I have, my, my 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 lineup is stacked, nothing but legends on the legends of sports and music. spend the night Teddy Riley, the only song- song he sang lead on on the guy debut album, he would sing um more often lead on. Their second album. We'll be talking about that soon, the future. And Teddy's never been a great singer. Teddy's, he's not a pimple on Timothy Gatling's ass. Never mind Aaron Hall. But Teddy could carry a note. And yep, yep, he can spend the night tonight. One of the, we could definitely say, ladies and gentlemen, that. Keith Sweat blows away Teddy Riley when it comes to singing. (laughs) But this was a banger because of the infectious production and beats and samples Teddy Riley used in this song. And it was a fun song because of the way he sang it. Oh, but the most powerful and best part of the song was when Aaron Hall comes out and nowhere, goes, you know you got to get some of this computer love. He, it. <laughs> he it. Aaron fucking Hall. Uh, spend the night, a fun song, on a classic fucking album. Look at all these songs that I've talked about on this album. We'll be talking about one more song coming up. That's Teddy's Jam. And I'll talk about the infectious song, this infectious beat, and how great of a song this song was on the other side.
3: Jam. Oh, jam. Jam. Teddy jam for me, yeah.
0: This was basically an instrumental Teddy's jam. Um you hear Aaron Hall throughout the song go Teddy jam for me, jam. Teddy jam. Teddy jam for me now. Other than Aaron coming in and out with the Teddy jam, jam for me. It's basically instrumental using several samples. The most iconic Is the Inspector Gadget sample that he used to produce at the tender age of 16 years old one of the greatest songs in hip-hop history, 1985's The Show by Dougie Fresh, Slick Rick, and the Get Fresh crew. The Show, Dougie Fresh, Slick Rick, and the Get Fresh crew, The Show introduced the world to Slick Rick, And had New York City on lock throughout the summer of 1985. Six Minutes, Dougie. Six Minutes, Dougie Fresh. uh, 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 uh. Phenomenal song. Timeless classic. It introduced the world to Dougie Fresh. And it introduced the world to Slick Rick. And both went on to have iconic careers. And Dougie Fresh, he's older than me. I think Dougie's in his 60s now. He looks much younger than me. I'm 54. I think I could pass for 40 to 45. Dougie's early 60s. He could pass for 34, 35. Dougie looks phenomenal. I met those brothers 20 years ago at the same concert that New Edition and Keith Sweat tore the house down. The WBLS Christmas concert at master square garden phenomenal concert keith new addition, they tore the house down and so did slick rick and dougie fresh slick rick and dougie fresh more about when i met both of those brothers when i eventually do a dougie fresh and slick rick combined tribute podcast well i would do their hits together Dougie by himself and Slick Rick and I will make it all into one podcast but that'll be later on later on sometime in the first quarter to first half of 2023 today we're talking Guy and the brilliance of Teddy Riley as a writer producer with the incredible beats and he's using the Inspector Gadget sample that he used in the show. He used it in Teddy's Jam. And this is an infectious beat. Jam for me. Jam. Teddy. And you know, it's it's a great song because it's a fun song. Very fun song. You could tell that when they were recording this song in the studio they were having a blast recording this song and Aaron and rightfully so is showcasing the the musical genius of Teddy Riley Teddy Riley's a musical genius he took that Casio and he did monumental things with it with the samples he had on that that he programmed on that Casio and turning his style of music into its own genre my all-time favorite era of music the new jack swing era man in my opinion nothing else hip-hop soul uh neo soul fuck a trap soul none of those eras compare to the new jack swing era so many classic albums so many classic producers Not only is Teddy Riley one of the, the, probably the number one producer of that genre, but he's got competition from Babyface, Jam, and Lewis, right? They give him, and so you have three of the, four of the greatest writer-producers in the history of soul music. Teddy Riley, Babyface, Jimmy Jam, and Terry Lewis. All churning out hit after hit after hit throughout this era. That's right on the same level as the Motown 1960s era when you had Holland Dozier Dozier Holland, Smokey Robinson, Ashford and Simpson. What's my brother that wrote for the t- Norman Whitfield? You had all, and I'm leaving out a bunch of names, but those are the f- ones that come to mind right away. They were. Churning out hit after hit, all the 1970s Philly International era with Gamble and Huff, Cecil Womack, again Ashford and Simpson, McFadden and Whitehead, all these great singer song Leon Ware, Philly International era, the 1970s, and then you got the late 80s to to mid 90s New Jack Swing era, and at the top of the food chain. Jammin', Lewis, Babyface, and the Godfather, the creator of the New Jack Swing era, Teddy Riley. Now, before we go on to the next song, let's chill. I'm gonna um, my buddy Lala was out of town with family, and she didn't have a chance to send me a voice note. I forgive her, she always comes through for me But she did send in a written note So I'm going to read it real quick Hey Rob, it's Lala I'll have to send in a written note today Because I'm spending time with family And it's been way too noisy this week One of my favorite songs by Guy is I Like It's my all-time favorite Guy song, Lala I remember the first time I heard this song I was watching one of my favorite movies Loving Basketball during Sinead Lathan's and Omar Epp's one-on-one basketball scene. Immediately, I was drawn to the song, and I did what I always did, went through my stepfather's music collection to find it. I couldn't find it because I didn't know who they were. Finally, I found the loving Basketball soundtrack, and I replayed that song so many times. This song brings back such fond memories of my sister and I dancing, dressing up and singing along, pretending to have someone we liked or who liked us, which I didn't know a thing about liking anyone. I was following along. It was just an upbeat song that made me feel good. Once I did find out the group name was Guy, I was able to become familiar with a few more of their hits that would also go into a book of my favorites, one of them being Let's Chill. As always, thanks for including me. I'm eager to get my weekly music lesson, Lala. And as always, Lala, I appreciate Not only your weekly contributions, but I appreciate you being a great mother and the way you interact with your daughter is beautiful. It's inspiring. I love seeing black women take care of their black children with unconditional love, support, and nurturing. And you are the epitome of that. Okay, we're gonna play Let's Chill, and then I'm gonna talk about this immaculate ballad on the other side.
3: Sweetheart, I've been trying so hard to get over you. just simply can't. It's the love we shared through the years meant so much to me all i'm looking for is just a serious relationship so i have a hold all my life why don't you give me that commitment
0: Was the biggest hit From Guy's second album The Future In which no longer Was Gene Griffin their manager And henceforth Gene Griffin was no longer Siphoning their publishing Even though Guy still The members of Guy Teddy Riley, Aaron Hall And Damien Hall Didn't get the publishing points They deserved on this album at least they weren't sharing it with that criminal Gene Griffith. Let's Chill, one of the great ballads of the new Jack Swing era. In the new Jack Swing era, I would put, above Let's Chill, I would put Make It Last Forever by Keep Sweat. Uh, uh, Forever My Lady by Jodice. Please Don't Go by Boys to Men. This was that Let's Chill might be top ten. There's a lot of great ballads from the new Jack Swing era. Too many to mention here. Babyface wrote a bunch of them. Rock with you. Rock with you is is greater than Let's Chill, but Let's Chill is a great wedding song. It's a great wedding song. It's a song about a man and his longtime lover. He wants to finally make that commitment. And he asked her to let's chill, let's settle down. And he talks about the, let me get the lyrics, because these lyrics are powerful. And this song was written by the late, great Bernard Bell, Teddy Riley, and Keith Sweat. And Keith Sweat covered this on his concert album several years later. I think this was about 15, 16 years ago. He covered this, but Aaron kicks off this song. And Aaron just bodies this song with his powerful baritone vocals. From the first time I saw your face, girl, I knew I had to have you. I wanted to wrap you with my warm embrace. Visions of your lovely face. All my love is for you. Whatever you want, I will do. You're the only one I want in my life. For you, I'll make that sacrifice. Basically, these are wedding vows that Keith, Bernard, and Teddy wrote in this song. So let's chill. One of the great wedding songs of that era. Right up there with "Uh For You by Kenny, Kenny Lanamore that came out several years later. Forever My Lady, you can make that a wedding song. He's talking about the love of his life having his baby. Forever My Lady, just like a dream. (laughs) This came out the same year, no, came out a year after here and now one of the greatest wedding songs of all time by the legendary Luther Vandross, a song we spoke about and covered and played on the Luther Vandross Tribute Podcast. So Let's Chill is on that level of those other great wedding songs. And ladies and gentlemen, if I ever get married, whether it's five years from now, 10 years from now Or as I jokingly said on Twitter uh, A week ago 30 years from now My wedding And Look If the woman I marry Wants to get married She's gonna have to settle For a new Jack Swing Reception Nothing but new Jack Swing music I don't give a damn What's popular Five years from now 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, we're playing new jack swing music throughout the entire reception. If we come down the aisle, coming down the aisle, what song would be the perfect song to come down? Let's Chill be one of the best songs or make it last forever. Yeah, you know, whatever gets played as she walks down the aisle towards me as i take her hand in marriage it's going to be one of those songs and whatever's not whatever song is not chosen will be played at the wedding and all the all the great r&b slow jams of the new jack swing era will be played during the reception as well as great dance songs like i like poison My uh my prerogative, don't be cruel. Oh, of course, slow jazz. We're gonna play rock with you. Oh, and we're gonna play my my my. <laughs> we're gonna play can you stand the rain? Yeah, oh, we will be playing, we will be playing a whole bunch of nothing but new jack swing ballads and dance songs. It's gonna be a new jack swing wedding period. Even if the woman, let's say I'm 70 and I marry a woman between 50 and 55. That means she would have been born. You see, if I was 70, that'd be 2038. She was 50 to 55 years old. That means she'd have been born in 1988 to 1983 to 1988. So, yeah, she would know some of the music. She would have been a baby when the music came out. (laughs) She'd be like my sister, Shay Jones. She would have known. She would have heard some of the music, all right? They're going to have to acquiesce. There's no, look, no negotiation. If we get married, we're playing new Jack Swing music. I don't care, and I have had a tendency to date West Indian women. My last girlfriend before this one, Vonette, she's Trini, all right? If if we would have gotten married, she would have been like, I wanna play soccer music. I'd have been like, Well, we're not getting married then. It's New Jack Swing. If the woman's West Indian, they not we're not playing any patois, we're not playing any reggae, we're not uh if she's training, we're not playing soccer. If she's Haitian, I forgot the Haitian music. It's been so long. And uh Missy really wasn't into her Haitian heritage, uh I forgot the name of of the music that that Haitian people love. It's great music. (laughs) If for some reason I'm marrying a Haitian woman, that music's not being played. There's no negotiation. You want to get married? New Jack Swing theme reception. You don't have to get married, right? If you're marrying the original great Rob Silver, there is no negotiation, right? You can get up and go, <laughs> but I don't want to hear that music. Well, we're not going to chill then. Let's chill and let's settle. We're not going to be settling down. New Jack Swing or Bust. And speaking of New Jack Swing, my buddy Carl is going to be talking about Guy, Teddy Riley, New Jack Swing on this voice note. And then we're going to play my favorite song from the future album. And my favorite ballad that Guy ever did, Smile. And we'll talk about it all on the other side.
5: OG Rob Silver, thanks once again for asking my thoughts on the R&B New Jack Swing group named Guy. Creator originator of the new Jack Swing sound, producer extraordinaire Teddy Riley started his own group after the Smash debut album of Keith Sweat, Make It Last Forever. Teddy Riley had co written and produced seven of the eight songs on the album, which ushered in the new Jack Swing era. The original members of Guy were Teddy Riley, Aaron Hall, and Timothy Gatlin. Teddy and Timothy were on my radar prior. Uh, from about 85 since I heard a song they made that used to play on the radio and I and also had the 12-inch name, Singing Hey Year. Uh, Timothy and Teddy were part of a group named Kids at Work, and they featured a singer named Lavava that uh, had a high falsetto-type voice. Uh, this ended up being a stark difference from the lead singer and guy, Aaron Hall, who sounded like he came straight from the church choir with his vocals reminiscent of the great charlie wilson of the gap band rob should be able to speak you know to this part here because i believe that timothy gatling may have left the group prior to the album even being released even though he was displayed on the album cover and he had writer credits he was replaced by aaron hall's brother Damien crazy legs hall um and I believe Guy's debut album was released a week or two before New Edition's Heartbreak and Bobby Brown's Don't Be Cruel. I don't think the album was doing much chart wise initially, but caught fire in the summer of '88 because I started to hear Groove Me Everywhere, and it was boosted by the fly ass video showcasing Aaron's lead vocals, Teddy on keyboards, and Crazy Legs doing his thing, dancing his crazy legs off. Uh, I had the album, um, I hadn't listened to it in its entirety, but when I finally did and I got a chance to listen to it, I was blown away by all the funky danceable cuts on, on the album. It was only about 10 songs, but I really enjoyed the slow jams, which meant what I enjoyed were "Piece of My Love and Goodbye Love, which showcased Aaron Hall's powerful vocals. I felt like Aaron's voice and Teddy music, Teddy's music were a stellar combination. You know, I'll let Rob speak to you know why the group may have broken up and why they didn't get along and things like that. But I do have a question, like about Gene Griffin. Was, was Gene Griffin like the gangster dude that funded the operation and got producer writer credits? Because as Tom proved, Teddy Riley was an innovator bar none and created a sound that rule the airways. You know, he would even have the great Michael Jackson seeking out his production and writing talent to cross back over to black audiences with Dangerous. I feel like Guy is one of those groups that gave us so much in a short time. They were trendsetters, in my opinion, that still had so much more to give us all. But I do appreciate what they did give us. Thanks, OG. Peace.
3: to do, baby,
0: is lay back and relax a while.
4: Listen to what I have to tell you, and I hope by the end of this song,
3: I'll have you smiling. Every time I see you. Wearing the same old crown. Wearing the same old crown. why don't you lift up your pretty head? i
0: Every time I see you, you're yeah, wearing that same old frown. Wearing the same old frown. Shout out to uh, my brother Carl. Another great voice note. Yeah, I answered several of those questions you asked on a voice note early in the podcast. Gene Griffin was the original Big Red. He was a fucking criminal, robbing these guys of their publishing and. He was just Timothy Gatling left the group because he saw he foresaw what was going to happen with this idiot. They wound up guy wound up firing him from the Jump Street. What should have been done, Carl, was they should have went to Andre Harrell and have had him intervene on their behalf and get rid of Gene Griffin because D- Gene Griffin was a detriment to that threesome. Timothy Gatling, Aaron Hall, and Teddy Riley should have been Guy from Jump Street And they should have went on to have a lengthy legendary career Unfortunately, events occurred Now, in that same TV One Uncensored interview slash documentary I was talking about Teddy Riley said that Guy broke up because he had to leave the group because he was mourning his best friend Anthony G getting murdered. Well, Anthony G was murdered July of nineteen eighty nine. It was a beef between Guys Camp and New Edition's camp, and it wound up with Anthony G getting murdered. And uh, what was it? Uh, I mean, he was he wasn't the road manager, but it was a it was a uh, a guy that held a manager type position when New Edition that murdered Anthony G and. I think he served 10 to 15 years in prison before he was released. But the timeline doesn't doesn't fit, uh, Teddy. You said that you decided to quit the group then. That was July of 89. The Future came out in November of 90. You were recording throughout 1990 with Aaron and Damien. And you guys recorded a song for the new Jack Swing, I mean, New Jack City soundtrack, which came out march april of 1991 so and then um i think you guys had a song on another soundtrack i forgot the name of the movie in 1992 so i don't i don't uh you were still recording with guy as of as of 1991 the murder happened in july of 1989 so uh teddy Maybe you, you're the same age as me. We're both 54. Maybe you are having early signs of dementia. Smile. Personal story about smile. Love this fucking song. Spring semester 1991. February of 91. And I'm playing this song all the time. Because in my English class, I'm going to John Jay College at the time. In my English class, there's this red bone, pretty, beautiful black girl. I mean, I think at this, at this point in time, I'm 22, going on 22, 23. This young lady was 19. Her name was Cynthia. And Cynthia had the most beautiful smile, but she never smiled. Every time she came to class, she was angry. She had a look of anger in her face. So one day, and I'm shy. I'm shy. If anybody knows me, I'm shy. I don't like making the first move on a pretty woman. Either they make the first move or I I have to find a way to break the ice. So one day, we're getting our papers back. And she's got this frown on her face. And I go up to her. And i say uh cynthia what happened did did did, uh professor so-and-so give you a bad bad grade she was like i got a b plus i said oh okay well you know that's that's the same grade i got it's decent she's like i know and then i was like can i ask you a question no problem go ahead and she was oh she it's like she was not only was she frowning or angry all the time, there was no there wasn't any uh oomph to her speaking. I was like, you know, uh why don't you smile? Every time I see you, you're frowning. I'm not trying to get in your personal business, Cynthia, but every time I see you, you're frowning. And she was like, Well, life sucks. And she walked away. <laughs> But that broke the ice because the next time i came to class she sat next to me and then we started talking for the rest of the semester we would talk and we would talk on the phone and she told me she was living with her boyfriend who was jamaican her jamaican boyfriend who was constantly cheating on her and constantly taking her money and would be in between jobs Three to four months She was supporting this fucking bum And that's why she was looking the way she did I say, Cynthia you're 19 years old First of all You're living with a dude you don't have kids she, she didn't have children No This dude was 27 she was 19 She told me she was 15 When she met him so that means he was what 23 Um her first and only love. He, she had never slept with anybody else before or since. She felt obligated to make it work. And I'm like, damn. But I did get her to smile many a time the rest of the semester. And every time she smiled, I was like, see, lift up your pretty hair. <laughs> smile for me smile never got past us talking on the phone and um I helped her with a couple of papers in the library but she remained steadfast and faithful to her man and I didn't push it I didn't push it I didn't push it cuz I felt the vibes even though there was chemistry between Cynthia and I I didn't push trying to get with her because she explained to me why she loved this man so much and i knew this guy was a fucking bum but there is something to a woman who's only had sex with one man and the love they have for that man that they gave their virginity to and she's living with the dude um But, goddamn, she was working a full-time job, ain't going to school supporting this fucking bum. Ran into Cynthia about uh, 20 years ago, 2022. Between 2000 and 2002, I ran into Cynthia on 135th Street, waiting for the 33 bus, 135th Street and Lenox Avenue. She was walking up the block. She had on these big sheets because she was from Harlem. I wasn't living in Harlem at the time. I was living in the South Bronx. But I'm like, Cynthia? And she was like, Rob. And she had on the she had was carrying this big ass bag. And I'm like, Cynthia, what the fuck she got in there? She told me she had just come from a camping trip. And I helped her walk it to her apartment. And then when we got to the apartment, she was like, Well, this is this is as far as you can go. And I was like, Oh, okay. I saw the wedding ring on her hand. I was like, uh, so you still with homeboy? And she's like, she nodded her head she nodded her head and i was like oh how many kids you all have four i said all right and i didn't press after that i didn't ask if he got his act together the whole nine i hope he did cuz they were living in a nice brownstone but it was it was uh, was great to see her she had an age too in 1991 she was 19 so Between 2000 and 2002, she would have been 28 to 30 years old, and she still looked like that 19-year-old girl that I first met with a pretty smile, pretty red bone face, and, of course, the figure that I always (laughs) like. All right, on to the next song. And Carl Carl brought this up, so this is perfect. He talked about the Charlie Wilson influence on Aaron Hall's voice. Well, here we have Guy with Aaron Hall on the lead vocals singing a, a Gap Band cover, Yearning for Your Love. If you played the Gap Band's original version of this song written by Ronnie Wilson, Charlie Wilson's brother, Yearning for Your Love, if you hear the original version sung by Gap Band and then you play Guy's version right behind it, it would you would do a double take because you're like, wow, Charlie Wilson and Aaron Hall sound so much alike. This song defines the biggest influence in Aaron Hall's singing voice, and that was the legendary Uncle Charlie Wilson. Now, I saw Uncle Charlie open up for new edition back in April, April Fool's Day, the last concert I took my ex to, and Charlie Wilson sh- shut the place down. I mean, he was phenomenal. I'm thinking, man, If Charlie Wilson can do what he's doing in his 70s, why can't Aaron, who's just a few years older than me, do the same thing today? Go for the older crowd. Make some new music. Make a comeback. You got the voice. I mean, you still tour with Teddy and Damien from time to time. You and Teddy collaborate on a solo album. I would really love to hear Aaron Hall come out. Man, man do a, do an album of covers. Shit, do 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 a remake of "There Goes My Baby." I mean, do some Bobby Womack covers. Do some Temptation covers. Some um David Ruffin and Dennis Edwards covers. Aaron Hall is man. It's perplexing how he went from top of the food chain to off the radar in less than a year or two. 1994, he was on top of the world when I Miss You. By 1995, he was an afterthought. Then Guy came out with their third album in 2000, which flopped. And then since then, I think he became a dog trainer. Um, And I know, my understanding is he's a very successful dog trainer, but damn, God gave him a gift that not many people have ever had. That voice, it's, I'm trying to make a comparison as to an athlete in sports where he was all world, a superstar, and then all of a sudden, boom, he disappears. That's Aaron Hall. And some of the blame goes to him and some of the blame goes to Teddy Riley because we really didn't need Blackstreet, to be honest with you. Fuck a Blackstreet. Guy should have stayed together. You could have made Guy a foursome bringing Timothy Gatlin. You didn't need Blackstreet. Blackstreet has some good music, but Blackstreet not a pimple on guy's ass. Nobody that ever sang for Blackstreet, even Dave Hollister, was a as great a vocal talent as Aaron Hall. Aaron Hall had it all. You heard my sister Shay speak earlier on the on the podcast in her voice note. Aaron Hall had the look. He had the gift of the voice. He had the natural charisma. He should have been what R. Kelly became. R. Kelly stole his style and next you know Aaron Hall was gone because one thing the music industry doesn't like is guys that look like each other but usually it's the copycat that gets pushed to the side but no, the copycat was, the, the copycat pedophile was Became top of the food chain and Aaron Hall disappeared, except for a few guest appearances and that horrid Guy album. He disappeared. You hear him damn near do a perfect Charlie Wilson impersonation on Yearning for Your Love. You hear the vocal prowess, the vocal talent this man has, and I shake my head. I mean, it's criminal that he didn't become on that Teddy Pendergrass level of sex appeal soul star or that Marvin Gaye level because Aaron Hall had it all. And he was a decent songwriter. Paired with a Teddy Riley, he made great music. They wrote together. He could have Timothy Gatling write for him. It's just criminal that the God, Aaron Hall, did not accomplish what he should have accomplished. As my father used to always say, the thing that he hated the most was to see someone with all the talent in the world waste that talent, wasted potential. And that is what what defines Aaron Hall. A great, great, great talent whose career And talent went unfulfilled Okay Next song is Teddy singing I Wanna Get With You And then we'll talk about it on the other side Yo Drop it I wanna
5: get with you
0: One thing I give Teddy Riley credit is that whenever he sang lead on a song, it was a fun, up-tempo song. He can carry a note, not a great singer, but I want to get with you Perfect, perfectly complimented his carrying a tune style. I want to get with you, but Aaron, the few times he came in, tore up the song. Tore up the song. Killed it once again. Aaron Hall proved in this song, even with the small sample size that he had in these songs, his vocal prowess. And this is a fun song, but he oh, man. I like when Teddy goes, Make you sweat that that uh, you know, brings back Keep Sweat, his original collaborator that helped start this new jack swing era i've said it over and over again that my greatest era in my personal opinion of soul music of my lifetime was the new jack swing era and it only makes sense because i was 19 years old in 1987 when make it last forever came out to jump start the era with the inaugural new jack swing album And then, of course, in 1988, it exploded with albums by, in a two-week period, Guy, Bobby Brown, and New Edition. 1989, you saw Babyface with his tender lover, new Jack Swing album. And the hits kept coming and coming. You had Michael Jackson's Dangerous. You had Mary J. Blige's uh, Watch the 4-1-1, Jodeci's Forever My Lady. Tevin Campbell with great, great, great uh, R&B New Jack Swing era albums, capped off by his 1993 New Jack Swing classic album, Can We Talk? So many, oh, TLCs, on the cool tip. All these great New Jack Swing, SWV, It's About Time. And we've covered up, so far, on the Ledges of Sports and Music, I have done a thorough historical overview of the new Jack Swing era. Look at the archives. So far, we've got Guy that we covered today, Keep Sweat, from Make It Last Forever, Part 1, to Part 2, last week's episode that covered his years from 1990 to 1996 new edition Heartbreak album Joe to see Mary J Blige is my life babyface tribute pod in which there was several new Jack swing songs on there that I covered if I'm forgetting anybody you guys can remind me but I have done a thorough thorough historical overview of the new jack swing era and i will continue to do so because i still have podcasts i've got to do on johnny gill and bbd and i'm trying to think is there anybody else i'm missing in the new jack swing era i'm not i was never a huge fan of tlc i'm not um i'm not passionate about their music. So there will not be a TLC tribute pod. Uh Escape maybe one day if they do better in my social media polls. They get buried every time I put them on a poll. They got buried in this poll that that guy won running away. Uh I will not be doing a pedophile podcast, so you won't see Robert Sylvester Kelly's new Jack Swing era covered because I'm not doing him. No. Fuck that creep. So, I'm trying to think, man, this, this. Yeah, Bobby Brown, BBD, Johnny Gill will definitely be covered. Tevin Campbell will definitely be covered in the future as far as new Jack Swing artists go. So we still have some more historical looks at that incredible. Oh, I'll be sure. Uh listeners, hit me up on, on Twitter at RobertSilva5768. Or my or email me, robertsilver 57 at hotmail You could also hit me with a voice note because next week I'm doing the episode on Stephanie Mills. If you want me to play your voice note on why you love Stephanie Mills, send it to me at robertsilver fifty-seven at hotmail.com. I'll put I'll put my Twitter handle and my email address in the description of the podcast so you can see that. Just in case you want to contact me. But, yeah, Tevin Campbell. I still, I'm still, i still going to do a podcast on Tevin Campbell eventually. BBD. Uh, Johnny Gill. Bobby Brown. And... If you guys want, I'll be sure. Because I'll be sure's first album was phenomenal. A few words about I Miss You before I sent it uh sign off and finish the podcast with that song. I Miss You is a heartbreak ballad, but when you and when you hear the song, it talks about a man who loses his woman and Keeps dreaming and begging for her to come back In in his life even though It looks like a lost cause The video Is powerful because in the video The woman that's carrying His child dies But the child lives I believe Going off memory In real life Aaron Hall's girlfriend had miscarried And he wrote this song As a Dedication to His baby that had died at birth In the video The roles were reversed The woman died, the baby survived Powerful song And it relates to me Because when My first love Tracy in the summer of 94 Was about to get married She sent me a package And in the package were A bunch of provocative photos of her in lingerie And an audio cassette with songs that she said reminded her of me. And I Miss You hit home because it was one of the songs because I was missing her, and I saw in turn she was missing me. And that song hit the nail on every head. I mean, we used to talk and laugh all night long. How many times Trace and I would talk after midnight because back then in the early 90s, after midnight was the lowest long-distance rates, uh, phone call rates that you could use. So we would talk between midnight and 2 in the morning because that's when that's when the rates were the lowest, middle of the night. There, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, there were no cell phones back then where you had unlimited or cable packages where you had unlimited, unlimited long-distance. No. You talked a while on long-distance, 5, 10 minutes? That shit hit hit your pockets hard when that phone bill came in the mail right there was no internet chatting or emailing back in the day this was between the years 1989 and 1994 that I was talking to on the phone or we'd write letters you had to write letters and mail them there was no email because I wasn't introduced to email till 1995 so uh I Miss You always holds a special sentiment in my heart because that song came out during a time when I was going through what the song was going through. And the lady that I was going through with also was looking at the song the same way because she sent me a tape. And as she said, the tape was songs that reminded her of me. Ladies and gentlemen, once again it was a blast doing this tribute another great artist another great legendary group put to bed put in the archives the legendary group a guy the great founder of the new jack swing era a man who i believe belongs in the rock and Roll hall of fame because he created his own genre and he wrote and produced for some of the greatest artists that ever lived. Plus, he led two great groups, Guy and Blackstreet, right? As well as he's written for so many iconic artists and he created New Jack Swing. He belongs in the Hall of Fame just on the fact that he created New Jack Swing. Before you take into account the number of hits he wrote and produced, And Aaron Hall, one of the great lead singers of any group of his era. And when it comes to the New Jack Swing era, in my opinion, only KC Haley compares to him. And yeah, Gerald Levert, too, because he was part of the group Levert, right? That's my holy trinity of New Jack Swing soul singers. And then my my Mount Rushmore is Johnny... Well, I, was, I mentioned that. My Mount Rushmore is Johnny Gill, Gerald Levert, Casey Haley, and Aaron Hall. My Mount Rushmore of New Jack Swing vocalists. Ladies and gentlemen, let me know what you thought of the podcast. Next week, we will be taking a look at the legendary Stephanie Mills. My second crush that I saw on television, my first crush with Shaka Khan, and eventually I got to do a Shaka Khan podcast because she's the reason why I love short, brown-skinned women that are thick with great legs and a smile to die for. Blame it on Shaka. Ladies and gentlemen, until next time, be blessed and be a blessing.
3: What happened to those days? Did they all just fade away? Holding you in my arms made me feel so happy. Then you said you had to go. What's wrong? Baby, I need to know. Back and rescue me from all this pain and misery.